Great stuff. Well, welcome everyone. Nice to have you here uh, as we are embarking into 2023. Really very cool. Kia ora, ni hao, anyonghaseo, apakaba. Lovely to have people from all different nations here as we always do. And of course, real honor today to have uh, Luke and Marilyn with us. Great to have you guys here as always. Love you guys so much. Let's give them a hand, eh? It's just great to have our founding pastors with us, which is also somewhat terrifying. Uh, there's nothing quite as terrifying as preaching in front of Luke, but that's okay. So you guys can just, they can listen. The rest of you fellas can just pray for me, okay, as we, as we preach this morning, which is good. In fact, as I was standing there this morning, uh, as I always do, I just go, you know, Lord, is there anything that you want to say to anyone this morning? And, and sometimes there is, and sometimes God's doing it without my help, just fine, which is fantastic. But this morning, I really felt a couple of words for people, and one actually is for you, Pastor Luke. Uh, obviously, I share this with fear and trepidation. Because you could just go, no, that's wrong, you're a heretic. So, but that's fine. Uh, but I really felt God speaking to me about that. And um, you know, the scripture is John 15, verse 1, where Jesus says, my father is a gardener. It's been interesting with my parents, as they've moved into retirement, uh, their garden has become more and more what they, they invest themselves. They have an amazing garden. I can't grow anything. I, I, I garden best with a lawnmower. But, um, but my parents love gardening. And I just really felt, Pastor Luke, for you, I believe the Lord say to you, that in this season... He's calling you back to be a gardener. He's calling you back, back to, to not just garden in the natural, but like you did right at the beginning, just to invest a little bit of time in some of those young leaders, those young people, even teenagers, just people that you can bring your incredible story, your incredible wisdom to. I believe God wants to anoint a season of gardening in your life. And so I share it with you. And then the other person, interesting enough, is sitting next door, which is Andrew Fistinich. Um, uh, Andrew, I, this is, uh, I know you've just got this new job, but I really, I got a picture of you um, standing in a sunny place looking over your right shoulder. And I felt God say that there's something from your past that God is going to utilize to open something new and blessed in the future going forward. But the key is, as Isaiah 30, know that he is the one who is behind you. This is saying this is the way that, that even though you are now in a place where God's opened a door for you, I believe God wants to encourage you. Don't stop listening. Don't stop listening to the voice behind you, for the Lord is not He's not finished yet in that sense, and that I believe that God's going to, and sometime in the future, something from your past in particular is going to open doors for a, a different aspect and season of ministry for you. Put it on the shelf, see what God does, but that's what I believe. Well, God wants to encourage you, though, that the key thing, stay open to that voice of the Lord. Stay open to the voice of the Lord. That's awesome. Well, we, we, we're talking today about hearing from God as it's turning out, and um, with our Summer Hits series, part of what we're wanting to do in this is to is to bring some of the most impacting uh, teachings and ideas that we've done in the past and bring them back at summertime. So some of you will have heard this message that I'm going to share today, and I make no apologies for that. The, the principles and, and practices we're talking about today are core in my life. Um, the, 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 system, the things we're going to talk about today, they make up my monthly, annual, sometimes daily process of, in regards to hearing from God. And so I want to start off by giving you a little bit of context for how this particular, um, this teaching came about. Uh, I was senior pastor of Dunedin Elam for um, a decade or so, and, one, and in Dunedin we had a whole lot of university students, you know, great, passionate young people, just wanting to follow God with all their heart, it was awesome. We had this one young guy called Jared, and I have Jared's permission to share this, this, his story. 
Jared was one day studying in the um, university library, and he was just passionate about God, and he found himself kind of daydreaming and asking, man, would I do anything God wanted me to do? Would I even go and preach on the street if God wanted me to do it? Would I even go and, I don't know, like something crazy? Like, would I even go and preach in a school if God called me to do that? And, and he got kind of all caught up in his own thinking, and he came to the conclusion that maybe God was telling him to go and preach in a school. So in his youthful zeal and fire, he left his university books, got up, walked out of the university library and walked down the road until he came to a school when it just happened to be lunchtime and he walked onto the playground of a primary school and just started shouting like preaching. As you can imagine, children start running from him in every direction. This weird young man preached about Jesus. The teachers came out, kicked him off the school grounds and he returned back to the library. Well, the next day, he found himself again studying in the library, and strangely, the same thoughts came to him again, and so he thought, it didn't go so well yesterday, I think I might call Pastor Mike, which I think is a very smart move, right? So he calls me up, I get a phone call from him, he said, look, this is what happened, I felt God was maybe telling me to go and preach on, a school, on the school grounds, I did it yesterday, and, and everyone ran away from me, and then they kicked me off, but I'm, I'm still thinking God wants me to do it, what's your advice? I said to him, don't be an idiot. I, I said... Bible clearly teaches where to submit to governing authorities, and you, you're not allowed to go on to a state school and preach the gospel. You don't have an, you're not invited on. No, I, I don't think this is the Lord. I think you really should take some time on this. He thanked me for that, hung up, and then thought, no, I think God's telling me to do this. So then he went down, went down the road and went back on the school, and it was the same time, uh, and this time they, they called the police, and the police came and escorted him off the grounds and told him that if he would if he wanted to pull this stunt again, they would prosecute him. And so he went back to the, the university. I'm not sure if you know, we can, can get a sense of where the story's going. But the very next day, he is once again in the university library studying and, and gets this feeling again that maybe God is prompting him to go and preach on the school grounds. And the conversation with me didn't go very well. So this time he thinks, well, I should get someone else's advice. So he called Pastor Andrew, who was my associate pastor at the time, he rang up Andrew and said, look, this is what's happened. Uh, Andrew says, have you spoken to Mike? Uh, he said, yes. He said, what did Mike say? He said, Mike said, don't be an idiot, um, but I want to know what your, your advice is. Andrew said, my advice is the same as Mike's. Don't be an idiot. Don't do that. that this is, I don't believe this is God's voice telling you to do this. You should not do this. He hangs up the phone. He goes, I think it's God. So he went down to the school and did it again, and this time the police came and they took him away and they locked him in a cell, and over the next two days I'm involved in all sorts of meetings with the school principal and uh, the chairperson of the board of trustees, I'm, I'm down at the police station trying to explain that he's not a nutter and that they, it's okay, and, and trying to explain to the school that it, it's not representative of our church and our church is not a bunch of crazy people and that everything's safe and we're going to sort all this out, and it was a mess. But you know what happened as a result of that? As I found myself reflecting on what happened, I realized that at least in part, the fault was mine because I was not teaching our young adults how to hear the voice of the Lord. And as a result of that, put together what I'm about to share with you this morning. You see, if you're like me, one of the most challenging things about being a Christian, right, is hearing the voice of God and, and knowing, is this God speaking to me? Is this, this feeling I'm getting or is this voice in my head, is this God or is this, is this just me or is this the devil or what is this? What is going on? 
But the good news is, is that we serve a God who communicates. Amen? God is a God who communicates. If we go right back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, listen to this, and said to them, right at the start, God is speaking. God is talking to his creation. How encouraging is that? And then if we go right to the the very end of the Bible, the second to last verse in the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I I mean, the Bible is bracketed with God speaking from Genesis to Revelation. Now, as we go on in our Christian world, God wants us to grow in independence, right? He doesn't... I don't believe for a second that God wants us walking down the aisles of the supermarket going, is it Picks or is it Sanitarium? Lord, what is your will? Which peanut butter are we going for, Lord? I, I just, I need your leading on. I don't think God cares whether you eat Picks peanut butter or Sanitarium peanut butter. But you know what? As you go on in life, God still wants to be involved in those big and pivotal decisions. They are important. I remember many years ago when I was uh, leading the young adults and in, in my very first church, and uh, God spoke to me one day about my pride as an idiot young man. He told me to change my ways or I would lose any chance of ministry that I had, and I needed to do that. Gosh, I needed to hear God's voice. When I look back at the trajectory I was on, it was all going in the wrong places. I remember nearly a decade ago when God spoke to us about moving our family from Dunedin up to Auckland, uh, sitting down with our, with our family, and some of you know that story, and, and, and praying and listening for the voice of God and allowing God to speak to us. Pastor Luke thinks this is a hilarious story. Uh, he was down here in Dunedin saying, hey, look, you know, and he, he was part of God speaking to us. He said, look, come up to Auckland, come up and be involved up here. And we happened to be in a restaurant. It was a classic Dunedin day. The hail was going horizontally, you know, blowing a gale. It was like two degrees. And I said to Pastor, why would I want to leave this place? And Luke just goes, look out the window. <laughs> but God spoke to us. We need to hear God's voice. Part of what it is to be a Christian is to be in a living, vital relationship with God where we know his voice. And it is so important that we do Learn to understand how God speaks because if we get this wrong, when we're involved as we are as Christians with influence in people's lives, we must carry that with a sense of sacred responsibility. You see, God speaks to us in a number of ways. Firstly, God speaks to us personally. We read that right back in Genesis where God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and chat. I mean, what a beautiful picture of God speaking to us personally. Secondly, God speaks to us intimately. I love the story in Exodus chapter 33 when it describes how Moses would go into the tent of meeting. It said he, was, he would talk with God face to face, and here it is, as a man speaks with his friend. As a man speaks with his friend. Think about how you speak with your closest friends. That is how Moses spoke with God. There was an intimacy, a, a comfortableness in there. Gosh, I love that. Thirdly, God speaks regularly. Now, that doesn't mean he speaks every hour or even necessarily every day, but John 10 tells us that his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And knowing only comes through repetition. And then fourthly, 
And this is critically important. God speaks spirit to spirit because he is spirit. John 4.24, God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So this morning I want to grapple a little bit with how can we be confident in what we are hearing? Because God doesn't want us not confident, right? God doesn't want to speak to us and then have us walk around for weeks or months in a quandary about is this God or is this not God? So surely there must be some indicators in his word on how we can get to know his voice and have more confidence in that process. I remember many years ago when I was just a young Christian, I had a good mate of mine and uh, one time we were, we were up on, on top of this hill praying for our city, you know, as, as we'd stand to do as young people, praying for the city. And, and um, it must have been, I don't know, close to midnight um, because when I was 23, I didn't need much sleep. Uh, if today it would be at 8.30 because I've got to be in bed by 9. And we're up on top of this hill and he goes to me, he says, God speak, God's spoken to me. He says, I know what we've got to do. I'm like, you know, I, I'd read about Jonathan. I'm with your heart and soul. So we jump in his car, and he drives us down to the local mongrel mob gang pad. He says, God's told us we need to go in there and tell them about Jesus. I'm really hoping he had heard from God, right? Now, as it turned out, the, 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 the sky on Century Duty wouldn't let us in the gates, for which I'm internally grateful, but we managed to talk to him a little bit. We get back in the car, and I'm thinking, well, I'm kind of glad that's over. And then he, my mate says to me, he says, God's spoken to me again. I know we've got to go. I'm like, on the inside, I'm going, oh, no. But on the outside, I've got to be strong. Yeah, I'm with you. He goes, we've got to go down to the, to, to the brothel, and we've got to talk to the prostitutes. I'm just like, oh, man. So he, he drives us down to the main, one of the main brothels in Dunedin, and we park across the road, and we get out to cross the road to go into the brothel to talk to the girls, or so we thought. And I just had one prayer in my mind as we went to run across the road, just one prayer, and it was this. Jesus, please do not let my senior pastor be driving past right now. It's not a good look, is it? You know, the young guy, one o'clock in the morning, running across the road to the brothel. As it turned out, we went and had a great conversation with, with the lady on reception, and it turns out she actually dropped one of her grandkids off at our church, and it was an amazing time. But you know, you have those moments, right, when you really need to know that it is God speaking. You know, our most important guide to understanding God's voice is the Bible. And it concerns me that we have a generation coming through now that sometimes I don't think really understand the importance and power and authority of the Word of God. It's vital, particularly our young people, particularly our young adults. You've got to understand the role and place of the Word of God. It is so important. In fact, Jesus himself said to the Pharisees in Matthew 22, he said, you are in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. Now, we, we must compare anything we feel God is saying to us, firstly, to the Scriptures that will keep us from error. But I think that one of our best examples um, in terms of learning how to hear from God is for us to look at the men who knew Jesus best, the apostles, the disciples who walked with him. And, and this led me to ask the question, how did the very first followers of Jesus, how did they hear from God after Jesus was gone? And so that led me to study the book of Acts, and, and I want to share some things this morning from the book of Acts, uh, particularly around hearing the voice of God uh, as the disciples did. 
And uh, now, now, as I've gone through this, I've identified, I don't know, I think seven ways that God speaks that I see in the book of Acts. Now, look, someone else might say there's eight, someone else might say there's five. That's fine. Take these seven and, and think about them for yourself and, and, and go back and read the scriptures. But these have been profoundly helpful for me. Let me run through these. Uh, and because I'm a preacher, of course, I have to use alliteration, so they happen to all start with P, which just is kind of nice, right? Helps us remember them. First one is this. God speaks through pictures. God speaks through pictures. And I'm going to use actions because actions help me. Okay, so God speaks through pictures. Dreams and visions. We see an example of this in Acts chapter 11, verse 4. Peter began and explained everything to them. He's talking to the apostles about why he went and met with these Gentiles. As it happened, he says this in verse 5. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. Peter saw something. It wasn't something physical. It was something in his mind. It was something inside of himself. And dreams and visions and mental pictures are a common way in which God speaks. We see this also in the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 1 where God is training this young prophet how to hear from him reliably. Listen to this. Jeremiah 1 verse 11. The word of the Lord came to me. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. Here's what he asks. What do you see, Jeremiah? And if we look at it in context, Jeremiah is not seeing physical things. He's seeing things in his mind. He's seeing an almond tree, a branch of an almond tree. And God says, it's good. You're seeing, you're seeing what I'm putting in your mind. What else do you see? I see a, a boiling pot tilted away from the north. That's not something in the campfire. That's something that God is bringing to his mind. And then God explains the interpretation of that to him. You see, pictures are very often the language of the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because pictures are how your brain thinks. Psychology has is, is proven this a hundred times, a thousand times. If I say to you, how do I get from, from here, from church to your place? Do you know what happens in your mind? Your mind doesn't suddenly go blank and then a, a line of text comes up like it does on your computer screen. No, no, you, you, kind of, you see yourself heading out of church and then turning left by the big trees and, and, and heading onto the on-ramp. The, I mean, you see it all. We, we think in pictures. So is it any wonder that very often God speaks to us, spirit to spirit, through pictures and mental impressions? I remember as a young Christian one day walking into church, and not in this church, different church, walking into church one evening, and I saw this, this woman that I knew who was a, a very close friend of ours. She had discipled me in our early years, uh, as, as, as Christians. And as I walked in, I saw her walk in front of me, and it was like instantly in my head I saw this picture of a word in neon lights above her head just for a moment, and it said, affair. Oh, man, I'm like, wow, did, did I have too much pizza? Like, that is weird. Like, what does that even mean? I just, and, you know, like she's a woman of God, and so I just blocked that whole thing out, just ignored it. The following Sunday night, I walked into church, and coincidence of coincidences, she just happened to walk past again, and the exact same thing happened. I saw this picture, affair. And I, I'm so young, I didn't, didn't even know what to do about this. And I ended up going up to her and, and saying to her, I just, I saw this thing, and I, I don't know what this means. And, and, and I mean, I was so embarrassed. You know, she was a married woman. How could I, how could I suggest that she was having an affair? And it was all very messy. And in the end, she just kind of stopped me and says, for goodness sake, just say what you want to say. And I said, I saw you twice, and I saw the word affair above your head, and I must be wrong, but I just have to tell you, she burst into tears, runs out of church. I, I follow her, not knowing what I'm doing, 
And we finally, and then I say, and so she's sobbing behind her like a notice board, and I'm standing there, and I said, what do I do now? And she said, pray for me, you idiot. So I prayed for her, and then, and then she confessed to me that she wasn't having an affair, but she was planning on having an affair with someone in her local community, deeply unhappy in her marriage, but God had spoken into her world, shown her that he did indeed see, and as a result, she did not have an affair. Gosh, I, I, I love that God speaks. God speaks through pictures. Secondly, God speaks through peace, a sense of peace or a lack of settled peace in our hearts. 2 Corinthians 2.12, now, now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found the Lord had opened a door for me, here it is, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went to Macedonia. That, that lack of peace was so significant for Paul that he made decisions based on that because he believed that was part of how God spoke to him. I remember at this time a couple of years ago, we were in the process of moving house. We'd sold our house and we were moving out, but we didn't have anywhere to go. And yet we had such a sense of settled peace that this is exactly what we were meant to be doing. And some of you know the story. As it turned out, we ended up literally buying a house at auction one, one evening and moving into the house the very next day. It was an absolute miraculous thing, but we had peace through that process. God speaks through peace. Thirdly, God speaks through promptings, kind of in your gut, down here, this this sense that you should be doing something. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are at the temple for prayer. They saw a man lame from birth. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Peter said, look at us. The man gave them his attention. There was something prompting these guys to do this. And as we know the story, God heals this cripple in a miraculous way. We have all seen someone in need and felt that prompting in here to do something to help them, to call someone, to encourage somebody, to give something to somebody. God speaks through promptings. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, I was just um, in the midst of a bit of sermon preparation, and I suddenly thought of a guy I knew um, who I knew was having some marriage difficulties. I just felt strongly that I should text him and just encourage him. And so I did. I just quickly fired off a text to him and said something like, hey, bro, I just want you to know God, God sees you. He knows what's going on in your world, and he's there for you. And I get this hurried text back, uh, guy freaking out. Who, where are you? Are you watching me? It turns out that he was standing in a truck at that exact moment, yelling at God, saying, God, you don't see me, and you don't care. And then my text comes through, literally in that moment, going, I see you, I care, blew him away. God's clear leading in his life. Sometimes God speaks through promptings. Number four, God speaks through the pages of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people. God will speak to us through his word, both in terms of general principle and in terms of specific things that seem strangely relevant to our uh, specific environment. I remember Pastor Bob sharing that when they bought the Hamilton property, he purchased this new building. The very next morning, they, he opened the word of God and, and read that scripture. It says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. 
And Bob, he just knew that it was an instruction from God, specifically from him. He felt God was saying, you need to be more bold in purchasing this property. He went back to the building owner with whom he'd signed an agreement the previous day, explained to him what he felt God was saying. And as a result, they got a massive discount on that building. An incredible, miraculous story from a non-Christian business owner who they bought the property off. Sometimes God speaks through the word and we need to listen and respond. Fifthly, God speaks through people. God speaks through prophets, leaders, sometimes children, even a donkey. But God speaks through people. In Acts chapter 15, the church in Antioch received a message from the Holy Spirit, but it was through Judas and Silas, sent from the leaders of the Jerusalem church. I remember one time, uh, many years ago, when I was, um, when I was uh, involved as national leader of Elam, and I was in the middle of a, of a very difficult thing. I was, tr- I was wanting to roll something out, this new idea, but I just wasn't sure if it was God or not, and I was praying about it, wrestling with it. Obviously, I've been talking about it with the team. I just wasn't sure which way to go. And that particular evening, um, I said to Liz, look, honey, I need some time out. I'll go do the grocery shopping. So I was at Botany Pack and Save. I'd done the grocery shopping. I was walking out. It was about 8 o'clock at night. It was dark outside. As I walk out, an elderly gentleman goes to walk in front of me. So I stop my trolley, and I go, and, and he says, no, no, you go, son, sonny, you go. I said, no, 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 sir, you go. And he said, you go, son. I'm like, fine, I'll go. So I push my trolley, and as I go past him, he reaches out his hand, and he puts his hand on my arm, and I think he's going to punch me or something. But he leans in, and he goes to me. He says, son, the Lord says to you, whatever is on your heart, Go and do it, for the Lord says, I am with you, heart and soul. And I knew exactly what God was speaking of. I had no idea who this man was. Didn't know then, don't know to this day, but God spoke to me through somebody. We went, we took that forward, and it was a wonderful success. God speaks through people. Number six, God speaks through providence, open doors or closed doors. Revelation 3 verse 8, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I remember when I became, when I was praying about stepping into pastoral ministry, and I was, I was really grappling between do I go and become a teacher or do I go and become a pastor? And I was asking God for, for, for wisdom and, and which way to go. And, and I really felt God actually in this season was telling me to go, uh, go teaching. The problem was is that I had applied for teachers' college late. And they had said to me, look, we'd love to have you in, but there is a waiting list, and you are 25th on the waiting list, and typically three or four of those people might get in. There is no way you are going to be accepted to teacher's college. You need to consider going to a different teacher's college. And Liz and I were on a holiday in Canes Bay and Banks Peninsula at the time, and I'm just walking the beach every day praying, God, I I really feel that you're calling me to, to teach, but I don't have an open door. Two days later, I get a phone call from the teacher's college saying, we can't explain to you how this has happened, but we have a position that has come up at Dunedin Teacher's College. We'd like to offer it to you. God opened a door. He clearly confirmed his word to me that that was what I was to be doing. And then lastly, the seventh way we see in the book of Acts is through power. Power. God confirms his word miraculously through signs and wonders. Mark 16, verse 20, And the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them, and here it is, confirmed his word by the signs that followed it. 
You know, in that, that last story, boy, that was such a miraculous, powerful thing that God did, opening a way where there was no way. Not only was that an open door, but it was a demonstration of God's power that confirmed to us absolutely what his will was. Those are the seven ways. God speaks through pictures. God speaks through peace. God speaks through promptings. God speaks through the pages of Scripture. God speaks through people. God speaks through providence, open doors, and God speaks through the power of God. But now we come to the most critical part, which is the importance of confirmation. George Mueller once said, George Mueller is a great man of faith of the previous century. He said, I will seek the will of God through or in connection with the word of God. The spirit and the word must be combined. If I look to the spirit alone without the word, I lay myself open to great delusions. If the Holy Ghost guides us at all, he will do it according to the scriptures and never contrary to them. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 1, and in several other places, every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Can I say to you, when God speaks, he will confirm it in two or three ways. And this is what we see in the book of Acts. You know, as I studied the book of Acts, in every case where I found God was speaking significantly to one of the apostles, there was always a confirmation and usually multiple. And let me just give you one example for the sake of time. In Acts chapter 11, Peter had to go back to Jerusalem explaining what he's been doing, hanging out with Gentiles, which of course is against Jewish law. And not only that, preaching the gospel and starting a church with Gentile believers. And Acts and this is a big deal, right? This is, this is breaking the, the, the Jewish law that at that point the church was living according to. They didn't see that there was any reason not to. So Peter's been pulled back in and he's explaining to them. Verse 4, it says, Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it happened. He says, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. So Peter starts with a picture. He starts with a picture. But it doesn't finish there. In verse 15, as he's continuing the story on, he says, as I began to speak, this is to the Gentiles that he's now, he's now met with, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Remember when the, when the Spirit of God fell on people in the upper room? Man, what is that? That's a display of power. That's a display of power. In fact, he goes on to say, and so if God did to them miraculously what he'd done to us, I knew that it was, I knew that it was the Lord. So God confirmed it with power, but not just that. In verse 16, he says, Then I remembered what the Lord had said, talking about Jesus' words, which we now have written down as Scripture, we, they didn't have written down a scripture then, but that, what, that's what it was. I remember what the Lord had said. So not only has he had a picture, it's been confirmed by the power of God. It's been confirmed by the pages of scripture or the things that God has said. I remember what the Lord had said, that John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord, who was I to think that I could oppose God? And then Acts verse 18 in chapter 11, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. The, fa the final confirmation, which is that other disciples agreed, yes, this is the Lord. God spoke through people as well. Multiple confirmations of what Peter felt God was saying to him in the vision. And it is the same situation every time we find God speaking 
in the book of Acts if you will go and look for it. We'll get the team up now as we come to a close this morning. So God speaks, but God also confirms. You know, if, if, if Jared had known this, if Jared had been able to, to go, I'm not sure what God is saying. Is God telling me to go and preach on the school? If he'd been able to put it up on a whiteboard, and this is what I'll often do. If I'm, God, what are you saying to me? I'll, I'll put these seven things up, and I'll say, well, God, in which ways is God speaking to me? Now, if we'd gone through them, Jared would have ticked, yes, absolutely, I, I have a prompting. I think I have a prompting from the Lord. So, did, did, did Jared have a picture? No. Did Jared have, a, have, have um, peace? Well, he quickly lost his peace, didn't he? Because on every consecutive day, he had to call someone. I'm not sure if this is God or not. So he had no peace about it, though he didn't recognize that at the time. Not only that, what's it? so he had a prompting. He didn't have any peace. What did the Bible say, the page of Scripture? If he'd gone and looked, he would have found that the word is very clear, that we are to obey governing authorities. And there was only one or two exceptions to that. We can talk about another time in the book of Daniel. But... but Scripture is clear. He should not have been going and preaching on state and state school property. He didn't. He was not allowed to by law to do that. So that's a, that's so one tick maybe a prompting, but he doesn't have any peace. The scripture clearly says he shouldn't be doing that. He went and spoke to not one but two people who both said you shouldn't be doing that. Trusted people. Not only that, did he have an open door? Was there was there an opportunity? There was no open door. A closed door which kept getting slammed in his face. I mean, I mean, right, then, then did God do anything miraculous to, to show that this was really what he was doing? Nothing at all. So if we were to, if Job was to look at that, he could have gone, well, I think I had a prompting, but when I look at peace, when I look at what the pages of Scripture say, when I look at what people are saying to me, and when I look at providence, it's clear that God is saying that I should not be preaching on the school grounds. And that is what I want each of us here to carry with us. And understanding that God will speak and God will confirm because God wants us to learn to hear his voice clearly so that we can confidently obey. We are here to make a God-led difference in this world. And God is the one who loves to lead us. You see, when God speaks but we don't obey, nothing changes. But when God speaks and we do obey, the world is changed. One moment at a time, one life at a time. What is God saying to you in the season that you are in right now? I can't encourage you enough. Go home, write down those seven things. Start checking off. How is, has God spoken to me through this? Has God spoken to me through this? It's a wonderful way to bring clarity and helping us to learn to hear the voice of God.